Hello, and welcome to another engaging episode of Cyber Speaks Live, the InfoSec podcast recorded in front of a live online audience, giving you, the community, a voice that can be heard around the world. And now it's time for your host, Duncan Macklin. Hello, everyone. My name is Duncan Macklin. I am InfoSec War, and this is Cyber Speaks Live where each episode I'm joined by a special guest co-host from the InfoSec community, along with listeners just like you. And today is no exception. We have a very full room and an awesome guest that I can't wait to get to. But before I do, uh, you know, this is an exciting day. It's been a long while since I've been on the mic and back together with you guys on Cyber Speaks Live. Uh, I just want to take a moment and talk about something that happened the last episode. So I was joined by Joe Gray, who is just an awesome, awesome guy. Um, And some of you were able to tell that I wasn't necessarily on point with that particular episode and that something just seemed off, I think, is kind of the way I've heard it put best and most frequent. And you guys were right. There were some things wrong. And I wasn't feeling particularly well that day and really wanted to cancel the episode. But it was such 11th hour and I just couldn't do that to Joe. I had too much respect for him. So I kind of pulled myself up by the bootstraps and pushed through that episode as best as I could. And unfortunately, The very next day, I ended up in the hospital in ICU for a week, and it was a pretty scary experience to the point where uh, my three daughters from Tennessee flew in to be by my side. My mother drove over from Louisiana to be with me, and it was scary to say the least. Um, Wasn't really sure if we were going to pull through that one and it's by the grace of God and just some fabulous frontline workers that put themselves at risk through this epidemic day in and day out to be able to provide the necessary health care to keep folks uh, healthy and alive and cared for and I had just a fabulous group of folks taking care of me all the way from the lead physicians to the nursing staff to the janitorial you know all of them were just absolutely fantastic and it's because of them that I'm alive and here with you guys today so um yeah that was quite an experience and it took me some time to recover get myself right and get back in front of this microphone talking with you guys here today. So again, uh, Joe, I'm sorry I wasn't on my, my best, uh, I I guess performance that day, but we will, uh, try to do it again and hopefully have better results. So all that being said, like I told you guys earlier, we have a rock star, today, and I mean R-O-C-K in the USA, but it wasn't always that way. She is actually not a Native American. She's a Joesburg, South Africa girl, and, uh, you know, she's just uh, the credentials of this one. She's a SE 
or social engineer specializing in OSINT, open source intelligence gathering. She's a DEF CON black badge winner. She's the VP of a private security firm, the CFO of a, a California-based VoIP service. Uh, she's a founding member of DC 209, the, the DEF CON meetup group there. This woman, in addition to all this, is also the mother of, what is it, one, two, three, four children? Yeah. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> so folks, without further ado, let me introduce you to a lethal weapon here. <laughs> Alith Dennis. Alith, thank you for joining us. Absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Alith, is there anything that you can add to that illustrious background and bio that I haven't covered here already? Um, I would say probably you, you did a tremendous introduction there. I'm a little bewildered. Um, I would but say probably it. one thing that, that folks don't know and that I haven't shared previously is that as a teenager, I actually went on, um, I'm going to just say missions because it's an easy word to understand with a contractor for a three letter agency over in, uh, international countries. <laughs> I'll just say interesting a three-letter <laughs> agency yeah. skywriting okay all right <laughs> so uh I, i'm not gonna delve any further because that just sounds like something that might get me into trouble so <laughs> you know I, I i've been following you for quite a while on twitter and i i've popped in here and there on some of your talks and stuff and but i really learned quite a bit about you as an individual by listening to your story and your words, non-scripted, non-interviewed through the Layer 8 podcast. Uh, I think your episode was number 13. Is that right? Yes, lucky number 13. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, lucky 13. <laughs> so, folks, if you haven't caught that particular episode or, or that podcast series, I, I'm going to throw some love out there. Go check it out. It's the layer eight, obviously a reference to the OSI model, and we're going to attack all the way from, you know, well, I guess probably one through seven, yeah, but layer eight, that's the most vulnerable, right? That's the human layer, and that's where uh, a lot of uh, creative work that Aleth does is perpetrated. So uh, check that out, episode 13, layer eight podcast series. You can find it on all the major podcasting platforms, but... I learned quite a bit about your history. You shared so much of your background coming up as a youth and, and as a teenager, the mischief that you got into. <laughs> I can totally relate. My mother is helping us out with the Q&A right now. And, and trust me, folks, if I unmuted her and let her start t telling you the stories about my mischief as a teenager, we would never get back to Aileen. Uh, <laughs> but I did find out something about you that I told you I was going to surprise you with, right? Yes. And I've been teasing you with it for the past 24 hours, and I'm now ready to let you know what that is. Okay. A-Leaf, <laughs> I was a Wildcat BBS sysop. Really? My favorite game was, guess what? <gasps> was it Lord? It was Legend <laughs> of the Red Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are not awesome. alone. I told no, you I'm not I would alone. surprise I, you. Like hacking that game was my life 
in high school. (laughs) Absolutely. That, That was so much fun. And I am so glad to have found another one because like you, I feel like I'm talking into the ethers when I mention yeah. Legend Nobody of the Red Dragon. Nobody understands what it is. Yeah, right. it's, uh, for those who don't know, it is a 100% text-based role-play game set in a wizardly world. Um, and it is the one thing that really pulled me into computer programming and learning how to code was essentially trying to cheat yeah. <laughs> that game. Yeah, I say it's kind of like mixing Dungeons and Dragons with mm-hmm. Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yes, yeah, that, 100%. And from a coding perspective, you can kind of see how easily that game was put together. Now, looking back then, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, how is it? Yeah, Yeah. and it it was like the pinnacle of BBS gaming back then. Right. Uh, Okay, so today's (laughs) topic, uh, you know, let's just dive right into it. You know, obviously... You know, my situation, what happened with the hospital and everything coming out of it, you know, really COVID's now in its thick of things. The situation just keeps dragging on. It it seems like we're having these peaks and valleys of the situation from one state to the next, one nation to the next. And we're all stuck working from home, parents with school-aged children Mm -hmm. are facing these struggles we still have full-time jobs we're now looking at you know what's going to be happening with schools kicking back in in distance learning daycare situations what's going on in your life how are you dealing with this whole covid situation well speaking of kids i think that's probably the primary point of stress for me I mean, in fact, I'm sitting here with my finger on the mute button in case somebody gets out of hand outside this door. So if you hear kids yelling at each other, it's just a part of this completely chaotic reality that I just can't control anymore. Um, I'm lucky enough that I'm somebody who's been working remotely for almost a decade. So that transition from working in the office to working remotely and being alone wasn't, you know, compounding the issue. But the fact that I now had you know, small kids that expected um, the weekend experience on a weekday was tough. And then to kind of compound that after surviving the summer, uh, my daycare provider of over eight years decided to retire out of state and close her doors, which was not part of her plan pre-COVID. So now I have not just two, you know, younger uh, elementary aged kids, but I also have an infant um, most popularly known for her appearance on the DEFCON stage at closing ceremonies last year. <laughs> yep. But I, I have a three-year-old as well. So it's like I've got one, three, six, and eight, and all the stages and phases and schooling and education that goes into those various age groups. And now that's all become my responsibility. Meanwhile, I have a full-time engagement I'm, you know, running a voice over IP phone service company here in um, Northern California. We have global customers. So it's, you know, it's a full-time on-call situation uh, for Penguin. And then um, on top of that, I have the consulting that I do in security. And for example, I spent my Friday night writing up an assessment until after 1 a.m. So it's like trying to figure Mm -hmm. out where to steal time. It was always the joke of, 
you know, either you work out, you sleep, you're a productive employee, or you spend time with your family, pick three. Well, now it's like, we've added more responsibilities into that, you know, 24 hour day. And so we're all just trying to find time. And what it's become for me is that I just literally don't sleep, (laughs) just don't. And so it's been very stressful, but um, I think all of us are just trying to find a way to manage that stress. And um, I think that segues nicely into our topic today, which is essentially how we all keep our mental health um, in the green while we're dealing with not only, um, you know, our daily lives and the challenges that are presented to us on a normal day, but compounded by the difficulties associated with the pandemic and all this extra chaos. And I hate the term, but uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen next week or a month or two months from now or a year from now. And I think that that's probably the most stress inducing factor is that none of us can plan. Um, and, and dealing with distance learning and if the kids are going back to school, when they're going back to school, how to facilitate a full day's worth of schoolwork for some kids and, um, you know, essentially keep our jobs. I think that's, that's the terrifying, most terrifying aspect for me going into fall. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm just going to ask of our studio audience, if you're able to relate to some of the things that Alith is talking about here, if you have just a, a personal situation like that yourself, drop it into the chat. I'd like to kind of see what some of the challenges you guys are facing with the COVID situation and some of the added stress and challenges from a day-to-day basis are for you guys and see how we might be able to draw that into the dialogue. You know, I had mentioned earlier that my mother assists with the show production. She comes in and helps me with Q&A monitoring and she does some of the back-end operations and marketing support for my company. Mom, are you on? I am. So we were talking earlier about, you know, empathy versus sympathy and kind of the history and background of something that you were told by one of my teachers early on in life. Can you share that real quickly? Yeah. Um, it was when you were in, you were, had just transitioned into first grade. You had been in school probably a few months and it was time for one of the parent teacher conferences And one of the things that she stressed to me was that she had observed you being very empathetic, that you really struggled if somebody was crying or upset, you wanted to fix it. And that, you know, somebody was sad. I mean, you were just very, you felt their pain. You were very attuned to others' um, pain and struggles. And, you know, she admired that. Whether, thank you, and whether or not it's something to be admired, you know, that's all for me to say. But I think here, you know, some 40 years later, I think it's the same way. I still see these things that are going on. And Alith, I'm sure you see it just as well in Twitterverse that there's so many people that are struggling. There's so many, you know, people that are having to tap out because it's just getting too much for them and they're sharing all these things that are going on and my heart just breaks for them. And 
it seems like they're hitting that critical mass and don't know what the next right thing to do is. And, you know, I, I know I can't be the fixer of the world. I know none of us can be, but my heart just breaks. And I don't know if it's sympathy or empathy, but let's just put it out there. I mean, people are broken right now. The walls are closing in. This, this stuff, it, it's beyond just a, a pandemic situation. It's a personal situation for so many of these folks. And we keep seeing it time and time again. And I know you've seen me, Ali, tag you in this show, in this episode, in multiple threads on Twitter. And they're serious threads about very serious mental health states that folks are in. Yeah. Do, what do you think? I mean... Uh, you know, it's rough because I feel like, and I feel like you are, are very much on the same wavelength as I am, but um, with our life experiences and the traumas that we've endured and, you know, going to the dark places and coming out of them, we have a special sense for uh, what other people are experiencing and the way I explain it is if you watch snowboarding on TV and somebody falls, it's whatever. But if you've actually snowboarded and fallen, when you watch that fall, you understand the pain associated with it and you can empathize with that person. And I think that you and I have the ability to empathize with a lot of people who are, you know, struggling with these things, some for the first time, but some for, you know, they've struggled with these things for a long time and just having all these additional factors of worry and anxiety on top of their normal load is just pushing people over the edge. Mm -hmm. And I admit that I've had at least two or three complete emotional breakdowns over the course of the last five months. <laughs> and it is, it is extremely frustrating and it's difficult to, um, you know, keep your frame in the positive rather than tending to just slip into the negative. And um, something that I will share that I learned as a community manager and a social media manager in my previous roles um, was that you don't always have to engage. And it feels like uh, defending yourself or jumping into the drama on a platform of any type is taking control of your perspective. But I'm going to tell you something right now, and that is that you don't have the ability to change the way that other people think through telling them to change their opinion. The way that you change people's perspectives and their thoughts and beliefs, uh, opinions is through demonstrating those actions. And the most power that you can take on a social media platform is to not engage with the negative because right. all you're doing is you're shifting into that, that tribe and that mentality of negativity. And your mom always told you, you are the company you keep, you're gonna become like them. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very true. It's very easy to slip back into smoking if you start hanging out with people who smoke or slip into that negative and like perpetuating that negative uh, mindset if you surround yourself with people who are negative. So you'll notice yeah. that me personally, I don't engage with any of that stuff on any no. social media platform no, because I. I feel like it poisons my mental state and it robs me of time that I could be productive in other areas of my life. So let's, let's give a suggestion there because I'm totally on point with you. I do not participate in the negativity. I don't play into the politics and 
that is not my silence meaning anything. It is, mm -hmm. I can't emotionally deal with it. I can't right. engage you in these political topics. I can't. My health, the triggers, the biggest trigger be beyond my sugar levels for my health is stress. My yeah. physicians are saying this to me. It's not me saying it. It's the physicians mm -hmm. reduced by stress. It is one of the greatest triggers for the things that happen in my health situation. But one of the greatest things that I discovered in Twitter is mute words, right? right. Yes. So you have the ability in your Twitter settings to be able to mute threads based off of words included. If I showed you folks what my <laughs> muted words list looks like, <laughs> oh my gosh. But those are things that I can't get involved in, folks. I, from a health perspective, I simply can't. It, it's not just mental health, it's physical health. And for a lot of what we're talking about today, one does lead to the other. So keep that in mind. If these are trigger words for you, mute them. Get it out of the way so you don't even have to worry about it. And you can still have very healthy, enjoyable, informative, relationship-building dialogue on Twitter just without all the bullshit. And, and I'm seeing people in the, in the comments here in chat that are just finding out that Twitter has a mute option. So, yes, you can mute keywords, hashtags, all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. I mean, aside from just muting people. And again, yeah. if somebody aggravates you or they just continuously pop up in your newsfeed, even if you don't follow them, you can mute them. And then if they ever venture onto your uh, profile, they won't be able to tell that they're muted. Whereas if you block them, they will absolutely know that you've blocked them. So if you don't want to hurt feelings, but you don't really want to see their content, you can mute people and that may help to, you know, provide a better experience for you. And so you can, you can make those changes, of course, at your own discretion. But I highly advise uh, looking into those because they could absolutely change the platform for you um, and your, your perception of the people that you interact with there. Yeah, Aaron's saying, oh my God, Twitter has a mute option, bless us both. So <laughs> yes, Aaron, you're welcome. And trust me, I had to be turned on to it as well. But it has... It greatly improved the, I don't want to say quality, but the approachability of my Twitter timeline for me personally. Absolutely. Another so thing I did was I spent a Sunday going through who I follow and just trimming out things like major news networks, celebrities, and all that kind of stuff. And this was when I, when I decided I really wanted to refocus my upskilling and my career development in the you know information security area i cut out all the noise yeah. and just stopped following accounts that were just polluting my timeline with stuff that i didn't care about so that's something else you can do yeah i'm a there. very mm -hmm. uh conscientious of who my followers are i i ensure that I don't get any of the bots. I don't get any of the porn. I don't get any of the bullshit kind of accounts that start following mm -hmm. you because then it becomes this layered on approach where all of theirs start doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And I, I really monitor all of my connections on Twitter and make sure that they're solid. By the way, I hit a significant milestone this past week. 
3,000 followers on Twitter. I want to say I love every one of you guys. Thank you. Uh, That's awesome. You guys are awesome, and you have taught me so much over these past several years. You know, I've been on Twitter since I think it was 2006, but my Mm -hmm. InfoSec War account, that one I think is 2015, so it's been about five years. You guys have just been fabulous, and thank you so much for your love and support. Uh, Aleph, obviously we've talked about the problem exists. We've acknowledged the problem. It's running rampant in InfoSec Twitter. You know, how can folks help, I I guess, approach it? How can they hack their own mental health states? Obviously, we talked about one here with Twitter, but, you know, from your perspective, your background, what worked for you? What is continuing to work today? And what do you see for the foreseeable future to help other folks? Well, that's absolutely a good point that I want to make uh, to kind of preface the conversation. Everything that I'm going to share is simply things that I have learned over the course of the last 20 some odd years um, based on my experience and dealing with anxiety and um, issues that came out of my childhood and trying to manage things like uh, depression and anxiety, uh, body image issues, and things like that. Um, so, not an expert, but I have had the um, I have had the gift of being able to speak to a few experts in this field, uh, specifically ahead of this podcast, so that I could kind of prepare. And one of those individuals uh, was Erin from the ILF, the Innocent Lives Foundation. She is their um, um, their mental health professional, and she's the director of wellness. For those that aren't familiar, Innocent mm-hmm. Lives Foundation, mm-hmm. we will be talking quite a bit about that in just a bit. But mm-hmm. Alif, just a, a real quick one sentence description so folks know the importance of what her role is within Innocent Lives. Okay, so Erin is the director of wellness at the Innocent Lives Foundation. And she shared with me some of the things that they do there. They have a lot of volunteers and then staff employees that are working very closely um, with each other in the trenches of the internet, so to speak, to unmask the predators who prey on children and minors on the internet and um, essentially unmask them and give their information to law enforcement so that law enforcement can go and, you know, incarcerate those people or bring them up on charges and get them off the internet and away from our kids. (laughs) So their, their job is incredibly important, but it also comes with a lot of um, what Aaron liked to call secondary trauma. So being exposed to the trauma that these children are being subjected to affects the mental state of the people who are doing the work in the pit at ILF to uncover these people and unmask them. Um, So they, they, uh, they have uh, mandatory once a month sessions with Erin and she helps to support their mental health. And she said that um, of course they can uh, meet with her as often as they like. And um, that um, they've had a lot of the same problems that we have, but they've also had to create separate workspaces to kind of compartmentalize. And I found that idea very interesting that most of the people that are involved in the organization have the ability to compartmentalize their work from their family and their friends and 
um, keep those things separate. And that's something I struggle with very much. But I think what I can share from my own experiences is that I've learned that it is possible for you to essentially reprogram your brain. And yeah. this, this is not an overnight thing. It does take time and it takes daily effort. Um, but you can actually reprogram and reframe your life and condition your brain to focus on the positive rather than the negative. Because I felt like the negative, when I dwelled on it, would just, you know, like dogpile on me. And it just was a never ending cycle of feeling completely smothered um, by all the negative things. And so I did some, some of my own, you know, research uh, on the interwebs, and you can absolutely Google these things too. But um, the idea of reprogramming your brain is not new and consciously training your thought patterns starts to create this habit of looking at the more positive side of stuff. So fun story. I decided at the beginning of the pandemic that I was going to distract myself by watching the entire series of The Walking Dead, which I hadn't seen before and apparently has this giant cult following. So I thought, hey, let's try it. Oh, hell yeah, I'm a member. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, you know, I'll give it a chance. And, you know, hopefully this will be a great distraction for us. And after watching the first couple of episodes, I was like, this is actually perfect because it illustrates how things are not that bad <laughs> like in reality you know in real life things are not quite as bad as the walking dead maybe just like a shade better <laughs> but after watching the first few episodes i was like shoot this is more stressful than real life but at the same time it was uh it was really it was really good for me to be able to get some perspective on how truly awful things could be and kind of balance real life and the fact that you know i can't go um you know i can't go out to eat or i can't go to the bowling alley or i you know that's not a real problem so it helped me to kind of focus on the fact that um you know the positive things that we have in our lives the health of myself my kids my family, like those things are the positive and trying to focus on those things through the course of this has really been what has allowed me to keep my stuff together as well as I have, which at times has not been great. But, um, you know, you can, you can voluntarily condition your brain to react to stimuli. Um, most, most people think that, or have thought in the past that, you know, you receive stimuli and you just automatically react to it. But especially when it comes to um, negative experiences in your life, you can't change those, but you can absolutely change how you react to them. Yeah. And taking control of your actions and your thoughts and your um, ability to not sink into the, you know, the gossip and the drama and the you know, the wallowing, <laughs> so to speak, of that negative situation, that is great. And, you know, give yourself permission to grieve or to wallow for a while, but, you know, eventually you're going to have to figure out how to dig yourself out of that and, yeah. and move forward. Uh, otherwise, you're victimizing yourself, you know, and there, there are, you know, some horrible situations and things that folks, and I'm including myself in this, have had to go through in life. And, you know, you can either allow those to define you or build from those experiences and try to see what good may be able to come from them. You know, I 
I'm the adult child of an abusive alcoholic father who put a shotgun in his mouth and blew his brains out. You know, uh, he beat the hell out of my mother. He was abusive to me. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure that he was abused by his father, you know, and I could have mm-hmm. easily, very easily become a- another link in the chain. Right. I, or I could have chosen to break that chain. Uh, I instead, you know, when I had my three daughters, you know, swore to myself that I wasn't going to become that man. You know, I wasn't going to let that background define who I am. You know, there had to be a, a stop, you know, and thankfully I have three beautiful daughters that are now grown and my oldest two are having children of their own now that are absolutely amazing little boys. Um, (laughs) You know, so there's a beautiful story there. And if we can just look for that way to take these negative things that are happening in our lives and try to find the positivity in the situation. And it may be folks that you have to go through this hell to be able to be instrumental in somebody else's life, you know, that you may have to be the one who's gone through that experience so that you can share the ability to get through it with somebody else that may not have as much strength as you, and they may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. They may not be able to believe there's hope for them or that they are worthy of anything more, you know? They may not be as strong as you, and that may be the purpose for you having to go through it is to make a difference in that person's life. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to be the one who sits there and says, oh, everything happens for a purpose, because some of the shit that happens in this world, I can't possibly fathom what the purpose is. But if we can just take the little things that happen to us on a day-to-day basis and say, you know what, that's pretty effed up, but... You know, what can I learn from it or what can I share from it? You know, what, what positivity can come about from it? You know, maybe that in itself is, I don't know. What do you think about that? Well, I think, especially in this community, that the, the one commonality that I've found between most of uh, the folks who I've met through DEF CON and some of the other hacking and information security type conferences is that most of us have per- been presented with a life that has not been easy and that has actually pushed us to figure out unconventional ways to solve problems, whatever those problems are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we can transition that critical thinking and those skills to analyze and solve problems into the mental health side of things as well. I mean, in my early 20s, I was incredibly self-absorbed. I I really let myself dwell on negative thoughts. I would, you know, exhibit self-destructive behavior. And I was constantly pushing people away because I had really big trust issues and just perpetuating negativity around me and then just dumping the load of this negativity on anybody that would listen to me. And it really just brought all that negativity right back. My ex-husband and I would fight. There were physical altercations I would go to work on Monday and just unload all of this on, you know, people that sat around me at work. And it just, it became this 
just the cycle of negativity that just perpetuated itself for years. And it was only after I broke out of that relationship and kind of like sanitized my life. Like I changed jobs, I moved towns, I um, filed for divorce. And all of this happened within the course of like a week. I really just tore my entire life down and tried to rebuild it from scratch. In doing that, I was able to create a new, a new me for everybody that I knew and kind of reset myself. So people didn't have any preconceived expectations or notions or ideas about me when they met me. I was just a blank slate. Through doing that, I tried to really focus on making friends with people who I could contribute to their lives and they could positively impact mine whether that was learning from them in like a career environment or you know just generally being somebody that I could count on on the friend side of things and just stripping people that were toxic or full of drama gossip you know all those types of things that would you know pull me into that negative stuff out of my life and in some cases that meant cutting certain family members out of my life which was really hard but you know, it had to be done so that I could move forward with my own life. And what that did was open up doors to more people that would positively impact my life and support me. And I have to give credit to my current husband, who has been a tremendous, tremendous means of support for me and pushing me to push myself career-wise, but also just in life awesome. in general. So it, it really matters who you have in your corner. That's the main main point there. I mean, obviously, my mother's here. My wife is my saving grace, my angel. That woman. God, not only has she had to endure so much over these past five years. By the way, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. But, you know, it's not been an easy journey for us. And she's had to witness my steady decline in physical health and all of that. But, you know, she is my champion. And I am so blessed to have that woman in my life. Uh, she pushes me to be a better man every day. And God bless her, because I don't know how she's put up with me for these five years. But uh, obviously, she's a stronger woman than I am a man. So we're coming up about the uh, quarter to the hour, we still have a couple of things I'd like to get into. If there's a lot of negativity and things going on in your life that you just are feeling overwhelmed with, one of the best ways to get out from underneath that is focus on someone else, right? So let's start mm -hmm. talking about Trace Labs and Innocent Lives Foundation. Uh, those are both things that I'm equally a proponent of. We've got Trace Labs coming up this Saturday, uh, but let's talk about those organizations, what they mean, what, what they're about, and how folks can get involved with volunteerism and supporting these. Absolutely. So I'll start with Trace Labs. Trace Labs is an organization that helps uh, law enforcement locate or find new information on cold cases of missing persons. They work with very specific law enforcement agencies who give them specific cases that they've okayed for them to work. And they have ongoing ops, they call them, that go on throughout the course of the year. But they also do special events for fun that are the OSINT CTFs or the missing person CTFs, which they've recently started doing on a monthly basis and they're calling them search parties. 
So what happens is during the search parties, they will actually give all of the registered teams of contestants the ability to access this, the base missing person case information that was released to the public on a select number of cases. And then hackers will go to town uh, doing OSINT to try to locate new information or new leads for law enforcement. And then after the contest is over, Trace Labs compiles that information and gives it over to law enforcement who will follow up on those leads. Um, and it's all very passive recognizance. None of this is active. You know, we aren't allowed to contact any of the parties that are associated with these cases. So it's all very above board, very much in partnership with law enforcement to make sure that everything is. Right. Because kosher. these are real missing these are persons real people. cases, folks. They, yes. This is not, I understand the word fun, but it's not fun and games, folks. These are really serious, serious. events. So you have to adhere to the rules and the structure. You cannot be contacting these people's family members. Right. You cannot be uh, friending their friends' Facebook yeah, accounts or yeah, any of that kinds stuff. Of things. So, you so have to the, and they're very, the very serious about having participants uh, follow the rules. But you, if you would like to work on your OSINT skills, especially with the focus on people and people OSINT, getting involved with Trace Labs and volunteering to work on some of those ongoing ops or volunteering as a judge to score one of the CTFs. If you're not ready to participate as a contestant yourself, I learned a tremendous amount from just judging or admining contestants who were participating in previous CTFs where participating remotely wasn't, a, wasn't an option. I also was able <clears throat> excuse me, and lucky enough to contribute to the contestant guide that was recently released. And one of the things I like to share uh, that's also contained in the guide is the metaphor that, um, and this kind of goes with the mental health stuff too. You have to look at your participation in the contest or even in the ongoing ops as you're an EMT in an ambulance. And the patient that's in the ambulance with you is the missing person. And you're doing everything that you can to help discover new information about what may or may not have happened to them during the course of that experience. And once clock is up on your time or you are finished with your activity, your volunteer work for that day, you have to hand over the responsibility of that case to the doctor. Like your ambulance has arrived at the hospital, your job is done, you're now giving the responsibility to the doctor, which is the organization that is responsible for this event. That would be uh, Trace Labs or the ILF, if you're a volunteer for ILF, you have to hand over that burden to them and they will give that to law enforcement to run with. And you have to be done. You have to wash your hands of it and move on with your life or it will and can impact you from the perspective of not just continuing to work on a case that you shouldn't be working on because that's against the rules, but also your mental health by exposing yourself and allowing yourself to be consumed by potentially secondary trauma. I mean, there are cases where you find things that are not good yeah. and you kind of have to be okay with that. And it's difficult. And moving on to the Innocent Lives Foundation they deal with some very sensitive material in some cases, specifically the people who are doing the, the hunting of the predators. Some of that material is, you know, something that nobody should have to see. And being able to, um, as Aaron mentioned to me yesterday, compartmentalize and separate, like separation of duty, like I'm working, I'm volunteering, or I'm with my family, and none of these things can bleed over into each other. Um, is very important. 
So being able to, to have that separation may be helpful in other people's lives as well. The Innocent Lives Foundation has, and Shane, I don't know what the current case count is if you want to drop it in the chat, but the Innocent Lives Foundation has just exponentially increased their impact overall. Holy cow! The last time I checked, it was in the 90s, and now they have 137 cases that they've submitted to law enforcement just this year to date. Yeah. Um, that is tremendous. And that is only possible through the generosity. Yes, just this year, 137 cases. That is only possible through the generosity of all the people that have been contributing, whether it's time, money, um, getting their message and their, miss their mission out there to the public. That is all just, it's so powerful. And recently, ILFS, which I participated in vicariously <laughs> online, did an amazing job raising funds. Uh, we all made yeah, they, Chris Heidnagy eat pineapple pizza. <laughs> that's what I was going to get to. If, <laughs> if they were able to raise 25000 and I think the tally was around twenty eight. is that right? I believe you're correct. I'm sure yeah. that Shane will, Shane will drop that in there because that was just phenomenal. Oh, I know they higher. all went into this. Yeah. It was higher. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Pineapple pizza. But, but I, yeah, I what, I'm going to stay out of Chris, that debate. So <laughs> watching listen, Chris eat it was painful, I think, for, for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're coming up close to the top of the hour. We, you know, we got some other things. Four tribe of hackers, or, or excuse me, I said tribe of hackers. Where did that come from? Uh, <laughs> Trace Labs, I know where it comes from. I, I'm looking at it right here on my notes. For Trace Labs and for Innocent Lives Foundation, both extremely worthy organizations how can folks get in touch how can they volunteer themselves i would suggest going to the website for trace labs it is tracelabs.org and then for innocent lives foundation it is innocentlives.org and reaching out to their teams to see how you can contribute if you're interested in participating in the trace lab ctfs i would encourage you to follow their twitter account for the most recent news there. And if you're interested in contributing and volunteering with um, Innocent Lives Foundation, you'll absolutely have to get in touch with their team to be vetted as a volunteer yeah. and go through a pretty rigorous um, assessment just to make sure that you can emotionally and mentally handle it, but also that you're going to follow some pretty strict guidelines. Yeah, and there are some rules to participate with Innocent Lives. You have to go through criminal background, a financial background. You have to agree to meet with a mental health advisor once a month. You know, they take this extremely serious, folks, and they need to because of the subject matter that they are dealing with and the types right. of individuals and the situations that you're going to be finding yourself in volunteering with that organization. But it is worth it if you have the mental capacity to, and the wherewithal to be able mm -hmm. to deal with that type of material because i'll be honest with you i can't yeah I have, same <laughs> I, I have three daughters y'all and yeah i can't deal with that it's beyond me um child pornography is not something that should exist in this world it's that also something that i think all parents can kind of agree it's it's really tough to kind of cope with if you have kids, especially younger kids, that's there's too many parallels to your real life. So that compartmentalization becomes difficult. Yep, exactly. But that doesn't mean you can't help the organization. Right. 
They and if you would like to get need financial donations, yes. it takes a lot for this organization to operate. They desperately need funds. Secondly, they desperately need back office assistance. Mm -hmm. They need help with marketing. They need help with general ops. You know, so get in touch, ask them, how can I help you? Here's my skills. What can I bring to the table that you need? Here's my wallet. Take it. You know, they need, <laughs> they need the money, folks. Seriously. Trace Labs, the work that they do in being able to help find these missing persons, it's wonderful. And it's so easy to get involved. Like Ailey was saying, follow them on Twitter. Go to the Trace Labs website. Get yourself prepared because these capture the flags. You'll, you'll want a, a little bit to get yourself set up for the hunt. Once you do it once, though, you'll have that environment ready to continue on. But it's just like any other OSINT. You're going to need some SOC account. Mm -hmm. You're going to need a VM environment. You know, you need to get yourself prepared. So go ahead, find out. We have a few days before Saturday's uh, CTF. So, you know, maybe you can still get involved with that one. There is a cost for the tickets to, to participate. But again, those funds go back directly into the organization and their efforts. So... That being said, Alith, I think you had some contest. For, for <laughs> yes. So every now, year, have you received my package yet? Not yet. Not okay, yet. so it's in the mail to you. I promise yes. you. Yeah. Um, there are I'm sure some it's there of, today, but there I are use some it. of oh, these. Nice. Oh, but there's cool. something special in there that's for you. Oh, thank you. All right, for your that. helping out with today. So keep that. Oh, thanks. In. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So. Every year at DEF CON, I do a contest that is just for funsies to make me talk to people because I have a really hard time starting conversations with people. So I started doing stalk me for stickers. And on Twitter, I would like post what I'm wearing that day and a password. So people would have to come up to me and give me the password and I would give them a sticker. And I think one year um, it was these uh, Mr. Robot badge stickers uh, that I was giving out. And I uh, have done my own custom stickers since then. But the first year was hilarious because I had people running up to me shouting New England clam chowder, <laughs> <laughs> which was the password. And my husband's just like, what is going on? So uh, Why are these people screaming at me? Yeah. And so in, in keeping with tradition, I'm going to give you guys a password today. The first 10 people that direct message me on Twitter with the password will get a sticker pack. You have to be comfortable sending me your address or at least a dead drop where I can send you the stickers. Um, but the password is penguin, like the bird. Um, so yeah, penguin, if you want some stickers and I have some cute ones, the password's penguin, shoot me a DM. First 10 will get a sticker pack. I may do some more if you guys can convince me, but wanted to share that with you all today. And um, thank right. you so much for having me today. This has been a lot of fun. I know we could probably talk for another three hours. So yeah, that's great. So just to reiterate, the password is Penguin and Elith is going to send you her stickers. There's some uh, Cyber Speaks Live stickers in there as well. And again, thank you. And the so holographic much. boxes. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Thank you so much, Elite. This has been a fantastic episode, folks. If you need help, there are folks out there that are willing to listen to you. They will let you talk, let you scream, let you cry. I am one of those persons. Uh, feel free, if you're in need, 
My Twitter handle is at InfoSecWar. My DMs are open. I'm not going to put my phone number on blast here, but if you reach <laughs> out on Twitter, I assure you, you'll get my digits and I will pick up that phone day or night. Um, you know, I think we're all in this together and it takes a tribe of Packers to raise us all, right? And speaking of which, tribe of Packers, according to my Intel sources, the Tribe of Hackers Blue Team Edition is just days out from being shipped uh, or going into the Amazon store for release. So it was supposed to be, I believe, August 11th. I think it has slipped a little bit towards the end of the month. But Tribe of Hackers Blue Team Edition, the defenders and protectors of InfoSec, sharing their background experiences and wisdom, all responding to the same series of questions. So you get a, a very perspective and background based off of the responses from each individual. And I am so proud and honored to be one of the contributing authors to this book. So check it out. If you aren't familiar, the Tribe of Hackers series should be in your collection. If you are on this podcast, you should be reading these books because <laughs> it doesn't even matter if you're a true hacker or not. If you're involved in InfoSec whatsoever, if you're a business person, you know, if you're a professional, there's something that you will learn from these book series. The first one is just Tribe of Hackers. The second one was Tribe of Hackers Red Team, focused towards the penetration testers, the, the red teamers, right? The third one is the security leaders. So obviously dealing with CISOs and CIOs and just leaders in the cybersecurity space and what's working for them leading these teams. And then now the blue team edition. So four books in total, check them out on Amazon, go ahead and pre-order the blue team edition now and have it sent to you as soon as it's released. But that's pretty much it for today, folks. Again, my name is Duncan Macklin. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at infosec war. Alif, Thank you so much. This has been fantastic. I look forward to being able to meet you in person. Until then, stay safe, stay secure, stay healthy. Mad props. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cyber Speaks Live. Remember to visit our blog at cyberspeaks.com to sign up for our newsletter of upcoming episodes and special guest co-hosts. If you'd like to be a guest co-host or sponsor the show, please email us at speakup at cyberspeaks.com. That's all for this week. And as always, stay safe and secure out there.